0: Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads.
1: Hi, I'm Deb in Halifax. Hi, I'm Simone in Vancouver.
2: Hey, I'm Tanya in Edmonton. Our latest read, The Whispers from Ashley Audrain, takes us to a well-to-do neighborhood where couples and their kids gather for a barbecue as the summer winds down. Everything is fabulous until Whitney, the picture-perfect hostess, explodes in a fury because her son disobeys her. Everyone at the party hears her exquisite veneer crack loud and clear. Before long, that same young boy falls from his bedside window in the middle of the night and then his mom can only sit by her son's hospital bed where his life hangs in the balance. Over the course of a tense three days, the women on the street grapple with what led to that terrible night. Oh, there are secrets, deceptions and lies within the group of women on Harlow Street. How do you feel about yes, this ride, are. ladies?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a ride it was. So I read this book while I was away, and it, um, it just kept me so intrigued. There was never a dull moment. Like I feel some books, you kind of have a a slow start and then it picks up. But this one, I couldn't get through the chapters fast enough. And in this book, there's four characters where you will get to know them. And I think um, the author did such a great job with sharing each of their stories. I loved how descriptive it was. And for me, it really made made me take a look at the type of mother I him. Because I think there's there's all sorts of facets you can draw from from these women, but yeah, it was it was a great read.
0: Yeah, it, it, it totally was. I think I was actually I was I was captivated by it from the very beginning, and uh, and uh, and then as I got done the book, I'm like, this is going to be a really interesting conversation because Simone, you have two children. Um, I don't have any children. I have cats.
2: <laughs> Just and I don't thing even have cats. <laughs>
0: And so, so I'm like, this is going to be a really interesting perspective because we are all coming at it from very different points of view, and and obviously very different kind of life choices or the way our, our lives have sort of uh, have gone. And you know what, I really. Got from this book is sort of you know a midlife crisis for women, which we don't really talk about, and um, and you know how do women feel after they've made their choices in their life and they get to this point where they're going, okay, I did this and this and this. Am I happy with with what I have done? And certainly, you know, Whitney. She doesn't she's not really a mom type yet. Yet she had children, her firstborn Xavier, you know, she she ignores him. There's a there's a part in the beginning where you just go, oh, my goodness. But it, but there, where she just ignores him and just when he's first born and she's lying beside him and she turns over away from him and goes to check her emails and gets gratification from the emails that she's reading, and then she posts something saying, "Hey, I had a baby. He's healthy. He's this many pounds." And and then she just looks at all the pings she's getting from all her friends, going, "Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing." And yet she doesn't feel it herself. No, like I just, you know, sometimes I I think you know some women should just not have children. And and I wondered th- about that with, with 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 her, and um and in a way I could kind of feel it myself. Like a there's a there's a part where in the book where she talks about, she says, you know, I don't want to be part of the school Like board, pack the school and, board. yeah. Yeah, that, you know, doing all the organizing and the mums groups and the play dates. It's like, I don't even want to play with my kid. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I felt, you know, there's been, I don't want to, you know, out myself, but I, there's been times where I, I don't really relate to children. I never really have. Mm-hmm. And I felt some of the things that she felt you know and i'm like oh my gosh and then you've got blair who's like total mom type you know who does everything right and i just thought that's just really interesting just how ashley wrote these four women and and what they all kind of brought to the table and i think every reader is going to is going to associate with with one of those characters and go yeah i know exactly how she feels or even, exactly how she feels.
1: Or even relate to the different facets of them. Like, you know, obviously Mara is a little bit older. Um, but, you know, I look at, um, for me, yes, having the kids. So I think someone like Whitney, you know, when I feel like, the older generation, like there was always have your ducks in a row, it was always taught that you go to school, and then you get married, and then you buy a house, and then you have children, and there's this big checklist. And I think some people got stuck in that it was kind of like so for Whitney, maybe it was like, okay, I'm going to have a husband, I'm going to have children, I'm going to have a career that's fulfilling. And she had this checklist. So maybe it wasn't things she necessarily wanted, but she thought she should have to have a perfect life. Whereas now I feel like we're in this generation where we don't judge if someone doesn't want children or doesn't want to get married and we're a little more accepting of just yeah live your life live it to the best you want it to be so there's a freedom in that so i think for whitney she she made the choices that maybe she thought would look good on paper or make her life look like mm-hmm. it was incredible mm-hmm. and with blair she's kind of following that that rule that you should give up your life for your child, and then you are the best mother you can be. And like, for me, I, you know, I've never had a miscarriage. And then you read about Rebecca, and now I kind of oh. feel like I just, it hurts. It hurts to think that the struggle, you know, for, for women who go through this multiple times, like, I think, you know, you, you'll relate to each one of these mothers in a way, like even Whitney yelling at her 10 year old, like, you know, there's moments I I yell at my 11 year old. And it just makes you think like, was that a big deal? Like, was it really? So it made me really think, okay, you know, these are kids, kids do silly things. And sometimes you have to just take a step back. You can't, you can't expect your home and your life. Like my house is a constant mess. I have two boys, they slam, you know, cars into the walls, things are breaking (laughs) apart. And I just let it be because that's their home to play. I am not one to keep a perfect tidy home and not let my children have fun because once they leave the house, I'm sure my house will be pristine because there's nothing happening <laughs> in it, you know? So yeah. I and just, I, I think you can relate to kind of each of the characters in a way. I think Whitney's home was pristine Yeah, for poor kids. Yeah, I, I, oh. so. I, oh I, I kept thinking,
0: oh my goodness, you can't control kids, nor should you, right? Like you should just let them be these little people that they're going
1: to be and she (laughs) She would would, get upset if it was like what was it like the open can of jelly or they've got their hands they've got play-doh or they've got something and she would just start to bubble up like why are they making a mess (laughs) (laughs) that (laughs) was and i read this
0: every
2: moment wouldn't it
0: yeah it would like i i know we're talking about whitney but there was one thing that sort of stood out for me and of course she had this this internal rage Mm -hmm. which I found Mm -hmm. so hard because I thought oh you poor woman and there's a line from the book that says the grip of this life tightens inch by inch up her spine and I thought oh my gosh those words like you know where you spend your life making your choices and then you have to live with your choices and you know myself being being I'm not married, you know, I'm with somebody, but I'm basically single, you know, I can kind of, I can leave this life if I want, I can just make a change, but you, that becomes a little bit more difficult when you have a husband Mm -hmm. and, or a partner and you have children, you can't you know, take your, take yourself away from that life with, out a lot of rare, you know, thought and uh, I don't know.
1: Whitney managed she to take did. herself away from that life and still do what she <laughs> oh wanted gosh. to do. I was, no kidding. Th- that was the thing about this book. <laughs> there were so many like dark twists and turns. And so yeah. I had to go back and like reread some of the stuff after. Like, I felt like, you know, I was reading through it and then I was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> you
0: know, I well, so was that funny. with Blair. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you guys think of Blair breaking into Whitney's house and all the things she does? <gasps>
2: oh my wow. gosh! Well, now I would never, and I have never broken into anyone's <laughs> house, but I feel like part of me was her looking through. So I have house sat for friends and family and pet sat um, for them, and I, I remember there were a couple of couples who I had just met. Uh, um, prior to them leaving on their trip. But we had these family connections. And I'm, I'm asking that. I'm like, you're OK with me in your in your space, like living in your space for a month. And they, you know, took me through every every, you know, closet, every every corner, every room. And, and not that I was snooping, but I'm just I, I, I found myself in those places that were very foreign to me initially. And then they became like, you know, extended members of the family. Um, mm-hmm. I did feel like I was a snooper. And and somehow I landed in their home without anybody suspecting me. But I kept feeling like there were cameras on me. And I just walk into, you know, the rooms and look around. I'm like, am I living someone else's life right Mm. now? I'm not quite sure what I should do. But they trusted me without knowing me. And I found that um, Mm -hmm. initially bizarre. But so part of me was actually feeling like, oh my gosh, have I been there? Have I been Blair?
1: No, if you weren't oh trying God. on their clothing and using their personal <laughs> items, I think yes. you're okay. Oh, no, no, no. I'm definitely not there. <laughs> Imagine having a camera and like seeing the things Blair was doing. Oh, How does Whitney God. not have cameras in her home? Like, you're right. I never oh, thought honestly. of that. How does she not? Oh, Unless she wow. does and
0: she's been watching all along. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe she's okay I with that. It. I found it really interesting how Ashley wrote that Whitney and Blair were best friends. And I was like, are they really? Or are they just pretending to be? I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this book about what women pretend to be and think and then what they actually do so I just I thought that that Whitney and Blair were just so different they both wanted each other's lives and I felt like they were just they were just jealous of each other I didn't really think that they were best friends at all I mean there is this really great part later on in the book where you find out why there's that connection when Blair actually takes the twins mm-hmm. and why and takes them down yeah. the street um, because Whitney was losing her freaking mind. And I thought, oh, okay. But I don't know. They were, I felt like they would just, if they could, scratch each other's eyes out in a way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for I, sure. I, you know, they were uh-huh. so, so, I just, I felt Blair was just so plain and I just felt, I felt so bad for her. You know, she's doing this, yeah. this honorable thing of, of she's being a great mom you know, she's being a great mom I and know. yet she wants Whitney's life and she wants to look like Whitney and she wants all of that stuff. And uh, Well, I
1: think she's yeah. given up a part of herself, right? And this is, I think, like for me, that's how it was. Like, you know, in your 20s, yes, traveling, having fun, being just you. And then, you know, I had both of my boys in my 30s. And then when I got hit 40, I was really afraid of that number. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so old. But then it got to a point where I'm like, I'm not just like Arvin Argent's mom. Like, who is Simone? Who is Simone again? And you start mm-hmm. to find like who you are, and you start to reclaim a bit of that power back, and be like, you know what? I am going to live a little bit more selfishly, not in a bad way, but just start doing things for yourself that make you feel good because you've spent all this time caring for you know these children, or whether you're caring for your partner or aging parents. Like you know, as women, we give so much of ourselves to others often mm-hmm. that we lose ourselves. So if you You can find a part to kind of get it back is that's where you're going to find your power. So I think for Blair, she's kind of stuck in just she's given everything to, you know, all the stuff she does that her husband doesn't even notice and all these things she does for her daughter. And then she looks at Whitney taking trips and hosting these fabulous parties. And a part of her probably feels like, oh, that would be nice to just get to do what I want to do for once and so I think there's that dynamic and like with Whitney it's like oh wow Blair she just is the perfect mom and I will never be the Mm -hmm. perfect mom even though I have the perfect house and the perfect body and the perfect bank account like there's just that 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 I think just attracts like opposites attract and it's like they feed off of each other
2: in a way you know you know whether you're a mother or not I think women in general we are just living or trying to survive every day um, and we We shouldn't have to be stressing we shouldn't have to prove ourselves or please everyone but just like all of us outside of um, Harlow Street these women are are really no different from all of us and what we may be struggling with or trying to present um, as the world wants to see us and it's funny because I think Time-wise, I had just seen the Barbie movie, and mm, there are so many incredible that, messages. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, America uh, Ferreira, her character talks about how it really is impossible to be a woman because you have to be beautiful, you have to be intelligent, you have to be so many incredible and extraordinary things, but you also can't be this, you can't be that, you, you have to be... Everything that is on this list, but it's impossible because you can't be on that list. And somehow you still manage to to get through the day. It's I don't know. I I thought that, you know, looking at what these women have gone through um, and what the messaging is with with the Barbie movie. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it, it doesn't matter. Where you are, mm-hmm. um, it's it, it can be a struggle, but I think we can all come together as well in uh, in a a very unique fashion.
1: Yeah. And I think it's the pressure we put on ourselves. Right. And as soon as you let that pressure go, like if you're like, oh, I have the pressure to lose 10 pounds before a vacation because I want to look good in a bathing suit. But then you just you you let it go and you're like, you know what, I'm on vacation. I'm going to have some drinks. I'm going to eat some food and I'm going to feel yeah. happy and great about myself. Like it's your own internal struggles um, and then the pressure of society. We let it build. But I think if you can get to a place where you're you can't really complain about it unless you're going to do something about it. So you have to just Let it go and take that pressure off. And Tanya, I think you were going to mention like Whitney's rage. Yeah, her rage. Wow. I I don't know. I just I just
0: wondered, you know, where that was coming from. And obviously, it's her choices and and her choices to where she got where she is, and also her choices of how she is acting within her current position. Mm -hmm. Right? She is having Mm -hmm. affairs. Um I think there's there's one part where where she says that she's you know she revels in the fact that she's not like other mothers other mothers can't do this mm-hmm. you know Whitney and her affairs and just wanting to be this a mother but like a mother like nobody has ever seen <laughs> she certainly doesn't she certainly doesn't suppress her desires and she just does whatever the hell she feels like doing yeah. and um maybe there's a rage in that maybe there's a rage in I can't be like Blair, so I'm going to do this. But I can't imagine the guilt and the shame that she must feel by doing that. I mean, her husband, by by the way Ashley wrote him, Jacob is pretty damn hot. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, I can't even imagine like doing what she's doing.
1: But I think (laughs) that's it. She, Mm -hmm. you know, she wanted this perfect life, and at some point, she felt herself, like, because she always said, oh, I'm probably failing Jacob. Jacob probably doesn't think I'm a good mother. My kids don't think that, or Blair doesn't think that, but really she doesn't think that and that's why I think she's just like going to hell and within a handbag it's yeah. kind of like I might as mm-hmm. well just do what I'm doing because I'm not perfect even though the world thinks I'm perfect but internally it's her own struggles and whether yeah like she had postpartum and you know the the moments where she's like oh she saw the lights on or the kids were awake and she just wanted to sit in her car because she didn't want to go in and and deal with her mm-hmm. kids even though she's yeah. got you know uh, the the Louisa the nanny who's with the kids doing everything for the kids she just and you know kids. Kids are so small, they they don't know how to say, Mom, I'm feeling this way. Kids will say, Mom, can you play with me? That's their words for saying, I need you. And it's like, you know, you get to a place where there is always laundry and housework and other things that that you're like, oh, I can't play right now because I've got this huge checklist of things I have to do. Um, But you have to get to that place where you're like, okay, they're not going to forever ask me to play with them. They're going to grow up and then I'm going to be left all by myself. So I might as well just take this time to play with them and connect with them because it's such a short time. But again, she wasn't like that. And maybe not all moms are. And like you say, Tanya, like maybe not everyone should be a mother and some people become mothers, you know, maybe it was an accident or you weren't expecting a a child and now you have one and there's just different things. But I think we all need to just come from a place of everyone is just trying to get through life, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can't be as judgmental. So if she felt like she couldn't mother them, then maybe the nanny is the best person. to to help and take that lead on if they're still getting that care and attention. Like everybody just, I think, has to do what's right for them. You know, I remember when I first had my child and there was so much pressure to breastfeed. And, you know, if you were even going to talk about formula, it was like, oh, you're going to give your child formula. And then you think, right. what? Like, what does it matter? You're keeping your child alive. You feed them exactly. how you feed them. Every mother is doing her best. Let's not judge. Let's just let everyone yeah. get through life. And if you're not a mother, like whatever choices you're making, find your internal happiness. And if someone is looking at your life and judging you or whispering about you, then they're obviously not happy in their life.
2: You know? That's so, right. Yeah. And perhaps with You're Whitney, right. um, maybe the the rage comes from not being in control of everything,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and yes. not accepting that she will not be able to control so many things in life. Now, yeah, and then there's like Rebecca, who, my goodness, I mean,
0: what five five miscarriages? I think she had, yeah. and I just I can't imagine. I mean. It's interesting that we talk about choices because sometimes I feel like I've just sort of like been this free spirit, which I am. And I've just sort of coasted (laughs) through life without making some really hard decisions and asking myself, what do you want, Tanya? What do you want? Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? I never really thought about it. And, you know, I'm now at an age where I cannot physically have children. Um, So I sometimes, you know, sometimes I think about it and go, "Hmm, I wonder what a little Tanya would have looked like or what, you know, I, I get a little... It affects me. Like I do, get a little sad. But I, but I never, you know, consciously made a choice not to have children. It just didn't happen. So I guess I just I didn't have that maternal instinct. And and I think about Rebecca, who I think her husband really wants children. Ben and she's trying to have children. And that that feeling that your body will not support the growth of a child, Uh no matter what you do. And I just my heart broke for her because she's trying and she's trying. And then her husband says, we got to stop this because we, we will not survive another pregnancy that you end up not being able to carry. And I think there's always been this thing with women that we are put on this earth. We have the ability to have children, right? And Mm -hmm. when you can't have children, like my girlfriend of mine cannot and it's all she ever ever wanted Mm -hmm. she never wanted the career she wanted to get married have like maybe a little a little store that sold trinkets and housewares and stuff and just do that and she wanted to have children and she can't and it's just like you know Rebecca talks about I'm in this children's hospital and I hear about miracles all the time where's my miracle Where's my miracle Mm -hmm. that I'm actually going to carry this baby? And I just think, you know, what you feel as a woman, if you cannot carry a a, a child and I just for Rebecca, my gosh, I just my heart broke for her. Mm -hmm. I just felt you
1: know and it gets mm. worse in the end when you find out what her husband mm. has been up to yes. but i think oh my yeah. god but did I think, you guys yeah. see that no i did, did not you? see no. that coming i th- totally no. thought it was aiden i 100% thought yeah. it was I aiden i thought it was aiden um but that was again another twist and okay let's yes. get to the the last part mm. xavier comes okay. to yeah reveals something yeah. jaw dropping in his conversation with his mom what do you think is going to happen next Oh my goodness. Oh my god. I know there's we, no the, hope. Um, <laughs> that last line, I read yes. that last line a few times. Like what's going to happen to you yes. when I tell them all? <laughs> when Honestly. I tell them all. Yeah. And how much has he oh. picked up on other things? Like, you know, kids 10, 11, they're smart. They watch us. They know what's going on. So Exactly. Yeah, they're very they're perceptive because the they have no filter.
2: Yeah. That's right, yeah. But I think in the mm-hmm. background, you know, uh you know, the adults are thinking, Oh, they don't they have no idea what's going on. They won't be bothered mm-hmm. by any of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But I felt note. for they're him. I mentality. did. Oh, my gosh. And yes. there, the so moments what? where she almost like was like, oh, maybe better if he's not around <laughs> like that. Yeah. What? When that was the air. The yes. <gasps> I was like, please do not do this. Do not. Oh, no. Like, that's how much she was concerned about herself and our her own reputation that she was willing to. To to go that way. Well, and way. it
0: also was like it, the Ashley kept us going in terms of what exactly happened that night. Mm-hmm. Did Xavier? Yeah. Did he? Was he pushed out of the window? Did he jump out of the window? Did he fall out of the window? What happened? Right. So you do mm-hmm. find out, you know, exactly what happened. But I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this book. I honestly, for 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 Whitney, does she? Harlow oh, Street gosh. is forever changed. Yeah, forever <laughs> yeah, changed. And you is. know, there's one person we haven't really talked about, Mara, and I felt I really liked her. I I, I felt that you know, she's a Portuguese immigrant her and her husband came over and I I really liked their relationship at the beginning when they fell in love and everything was great and then then they came, they come to come to the states and they're living there and they have, you know, Marcus and he's just not He's a very difficult child, and the whispers that he does with only his mom, mm. and how mean his father was to him. And I yeah. and I wonder too about the relationships of of men and women as they go through their lives. You know, when they're you have this sort of like you have this free spirited sort of like coming together, and you're doing all this stuff, and then you decide to have a family, and of course, then in your forties, your you're, things start kicking in, and it feels like these relationships between men and women they just they become, they're not, they're not sexual anymore, right? Like they don't have that connection anymore, which they did. And they don't, you know, in this, in this book. And it's, I feel like, how can you have such an amazing romance? And then it all just goes to hell. Like it's just, I guess it's just roles that change. And, and how do you keep that romance alive? And, but Mara, I just, you know, there's p- parts in this book about her husband, Albert. And I feel mm-hmm. like all of this is about Xavier and, 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 She had her own within that time frame. Oh, yeah. What happened to her husband?
1: And nobody said anything. I know. Nobody even noticed. This makes you think of like your neighbors and and just checking in with them. And sometimes we like with me, I'm running out the door. I got my kids and I'm just thinking about myself Mm. because I'm like, oh, God, I got to feed them. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then we're not stopping to think and ask, hey, how are you? What's going on in your day? And I've done that. Like, yeah. I've got this one mom, um, and she's got four girls. Um, so she's always in the thick of it with her kids. And I'll see her at school, and sometimes she'll be like, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. And, you know, I'll say, How are you? And then she'll, she'll look at me and she'll say, I'm okay. And I'll say, oh, okay, And then it just like I get that she wants to have a conversation. So I'll stop to be like, what's going on? And then she'll kind of fill me in because sometimes I think she's just with her kids all day and she's not getting the interaction like I'm coming to work. I'm talking to other adults and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Whereas some of these moms are just at home when they're in the thick of it with their kids and not having a break. So that really asking your neighbor or checking in on someone and just stopping to say, how are you? how are things going with you? And being more real as opposed to just, hey, how's it going? Good. Me too. Great. And then, then we move yeah, away. See you like, later. Sometimes yeah. I think with Mara, they all three of them were so consumed. Whitney with her affairs, Blair with her daughter, Rebecca being a doctor and the the, the losing of the, mm-hmm. the, the pregnancies and, and yeah. no one's stopping to look at Mara and just be like, hey, how are you? What's happened with yeah. you? Because they're so caught up. As we do, we get caught up in our own lives, but you know really taking that extra 5 to 10 minutes to connect with someone else doesn't really take a lot of effort but it could be you know that that game changer or that moment for someone else so i think yeah, that's something absolutely. we can all work towards too you know oh absolutely and i think you know they she talked about how when they all moved into the
2: neighborhood that they all seemed to be close And at least interested in their lives and and what had gone on before they moved into this neighborhood. So, you know, reconnecting at a different stage in life. It's never too late, is it? Mm -mm. No, no.
1: (sighs) Well, it's definitely a book I would recommend, um, you know, others to read, whether you're a mom or you're not a mom. It's just it's relatable in so many different angles and it'll help you understand other people's lives and and the choices they make and hopefully kind of give you something to think about and like you like we talked about you know Tanya you said you you never really thought about your choices and here you are and it's like you know whether I thought about choices or didn't here I am but we all still um have the ability to take today and not feel like as we get older it's like the beginning of the end, like treat Mm -hmm. this as your new beginning. Like we are still here. We can still do things. We can still make changes. And when it comes to even those thoughts about, oh, you know, what would it have been like Uh, my aunt? Like she, she never had children. And now she's at the point, like she always wanted to, she just couldn't as well. But now she's at the point where she's like, I'm going to be the best great aunt ever. And she comes Uh, around and hmm. it's just that, that, that motion of like, maybe I'm just going to spoil my, my great grand, you know, kids and and be a great aunt or do this or do that. So I think we can still come to the now and say, what can I do if there is a void in my life? What can I do to fill it? And how can I make the next chapter a little more enriching for myself? that is...
0: And that is what this book does, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely makes you think about your own life and the choices that you made. And but it, it, it's also hopeful, where you go. You're right, Simone. It's like you can still look at your life now and go, "Okay, I like this. I like this. I don't like this. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change." You know? And I, and I love that about it. This book.
1: And remember, like it's that where where you are in life right now is exactly where you're meant to be. So that's just it. This was our this is our life path we're on, and this is where we're meant to be. So this absolutely, is heavy. this is deep. <laughs> this
2: is deep. <laughs> I, I am going to listen to those whispers, and uh, and take, we no, to take some real mental notes here. <laughs>
1: Less whispering about others and more listening to our internal whispers. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But you guys feel That's you right. guys
0: hear the whispers too, right? Yeah. Like I think everybody oh gosh, hears yeah. the whispers. It's the women's
1: intuition. Mm-hmm. It's a lot stronger yeah, for mm-hmm. us, and they always say, "Go with your gut." We can feel it. We we yeah. got to lead with it. Exactly. And so, um, we shall. As we
2: shall.
0: Um, so we shall. so
1: we
2: shall.
1: Well, I think this is the perfect time for us to ask our burning questions for Ashley Audrain, who joins us now to talk about this incredible book, The Whispers. Hello, Ashley. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Hi. Hello. <laughs> Good. We are excited to have you back on our podcast with us after reading oh, your book.
3: Thank you. It's so nice to join you guys again. Thank you so much. Love the book. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank yeah. You.
1: Oh, yeah. So nice. Another dandy. We were just oh, saying, Deb and I read um, The Push and Tanya wasn't a part of the book club then. And so we were just saying, you have to go back and read that. So we'll send you a copy of that because that one was one oh. of our favorites too.
3: Thanks. Oh, that's so great. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I love hearing when people um, discover the whispers first and then go back to read the push. It's great. It's really cool. Nice to hear.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely be doing that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Ashley, to start off, um, we loved the book. It was such a page turner, kept us going, uh, got through it really quickly, uh, such great writing. Now, when you were writing this novel, you know, the characters are so interesting, and it's neat that you were able to kind of showcase four of them in this book. Where did you pull the inspiration from? Do you know any, like, suburban moms who are similar to these characters?
3: <laughs> you know what? I, the characters are not based on any one person in particular. But I think, you know, as a writer, I think you're always sort of collecting Um, you know, observations about people around you. And I think that that sort of, you know, in a way works its way into characters at some point, um, in writing. I think a lot of authors would probably say that, but. Yeah, but there was um, one character in particular that was, was sort of more based on this idea of somebody that I knew, um, which was that. So I lived in a neighborhood called Little Portugal here in Toronto, um, and we, which, which sort of that concept of um, Harlow Street is sort of based on, you know, this idea of a very sort of gentrified area where we've got sort of the, um, you know, the older Portuguese immigrants who've lived on the street, you know, for decades and decades. And then sort of the new families are kind of moving in around them, you know, renovating houses and having families and sort of changing the area. Um, And so when I lived in on this street in little Portugal, we had a neighbor um, who was an 80 year old woman who, you know, had probably lived in that house for about 60 years. And she was a Portuguese immigrant. And she she had she maintained this very sort of beautiful porch culture, you know, that I feel like will not will sort of go with that generation, sadly, um, you know, where she would, her and her husband would sort of spend all their days, you know, on the porch outside of their home, kind of watching the street go by, you know, and watching us come and go with our noisy kids and, you know, even bringing our kids home from the hospital and, you know, all, all of that. Um, and I really just loved kind of observing them, observing us, you know, everyone else on the street. Um, and I would often think about that woman and, you know, what she was thinking about all of us and how our lives you know, compared to the early years of motherhood that, you know, she would have had in that same house, you know, 60 years earlier um, or 70 years earlier. Um, and so, yeah, she I, I it's funny in all we lived there for eight years. And in all that time, I never once had a real conversation with her because she didn't speak English at all. Um, but, of course, there's so much communicating that goes on other ways, you know, with, like, you know, the, the waving to each other and smiling at each other every day. And, yeah, she, that, that really inspired the character of Mara um, in this book, who is um, sort of, you know, very, very different than this lovely woman I live next door to. But, um, but you know, that idea of sort of an old, a woman of an older generation as a voyeur on the street and then these three younger families kind of around her sort of, you know, in their early 40s, late 30s, just in the thick of things. You know, and and she ends up playing quite a pivotal role in the book. But she also is this sort of um, contrast in the book as well. Oh, that's so
1: interesting. I like that. And yeah, it's kind of, when you mention the porch culture, it does kind of make you sad because yeah, you think about like, how often do we just go out and, and sit and stare? Because now it would be like, why is that person watching us? Why are they,
3: they staring <laughs> oh, at us? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's actually such a beautiful thing in terms of like, um, creation of community and staying connected to one another. Um, and we just don't do that. Like our, our generation just will never do that. Um, and our houses, like we don't build houses that way anymore. Um, And, yeah, it it does make me sad sort of thinking of some of these wonderful neighborhoods um, that 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 won't be here in another 20 years, you know.
1: Another thing I think about when you think of like, you know, those who are, you know, elders is when they probably see the kids like staring at their screens, they're probably like, what do these kids do all day? Just like staring at the screens. And yes. what are these mothers doing? Just We're like, we're taking a break for five minutes. Okay.
3: Um. true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I, Mara does have many of those thoughts in the book. She looks at the other three women. Yeah. Um, well, especially the other two mothers, you know, Blair and Whitney, and sort of rolls her eyes at like how they make life seem so busy and hectic and they're coming and going. And she comments on what they... Where and you know, I think that there's probably some truth to that,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Now, Ashley, was there, you know, with the four characters of Mara, Rebecca, Blair, and Whitney, any of them didn't really get that? happy ever after was there a mm-hmm. character though that you were rooting for that you were hoping will get their happy ever after
3: oh yeah you know I've sort of I to be honest I root for all of them <laughs> I really do and it, it's always a struggle at the end to give them the fate that I do I think for most of my characters um I'm just I, I I as a as a writer I don't feel compelled to give everybody a happy ending because I just don't think that's real I just don't think that's life um, and I really think I try to create like a lot of truth in storylines and in characters experience. Um, you know, I think the character that I think we're most people, most readers are rooting for the most is probably Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, in the yeah. t- I, I, yeah. sort of feedback I've had from readers, she t- you know, it's always so interesting. Like there's these four, four main characters, you know, we, we get perspectives of all of them and there's bound to be favorites. You know, there's bound to be the favorites are bound to emerge. And I think Rebecca is that for people. Um, you know, she's a woman who, you know, is struggling to have a family of her own and she's experienced quite a bit of pregnancy loss. Um, And so throughout the book, I think we are really rooting for her to have that because we can really feel, hopefully, how desperately she wants that and how all-consuming it is, which I think is very much true to real life if you're going through um, you know fertility problems it, it, it can be completely consuming in every way um, so, th- so I think most people are probably rooting for Rebecca um, you know to, to get the ending that she's looking for um, and she's also she's a physician she's, she works at a children's hospital and you know she's sort of very much sort of a caretaker throughout this story like she's the one really providing a lot of you know support and stability for everyone else as their lives are sort of unraveling um, so I, you know she's probably the character who deserves it the most mm-hmm. yeah. for sure
2: yeah yeah, I am. Um, I, I was feeling a bit of a Wisteria Lane and Desperate Housewives okay. um, within these characters as well. And I loved it. Um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a people watcher <laughs> 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 and 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 I love to know more. I would love to know actually more about my own neighborhood now. I'm I'm in a building mm-hmm. as compared to living in a house and knowing my neighbors in past years and. Um, but I like to follow the lives of, of of so many others. I don't know that my life is as interesting if I had my windows or doors open, um, <laughs> but, but but following through um, a group of women as seen through the eyes of, of their friends and neighbors, I, I love that take on it. And did you have Wisteria
3: Lane at all in your mind? Oh, it's so funny. You know, I did not think of Desperate Housewives once while I was creating or writing this book. Um, and only after when people were making the comparison, like readers, once the book was out in the world and readers were making the comparison, I was like, Oh, of course, like, of course it's, it it very much is that. Um, and it's funny because I, it must've subconsciously been in my mind while I was creating it because I did love that show. I remember, um, you know, always, always watching that show when I was a lot younger, when it was like, you know, when new episodes were airing, um, it was like the hottest show. We, we were all kind of watching it, but so I, I'm sure somewhere that has played in sort of that, like that creative subconscious of where the ideas come from, definitely. Um, but I, I love that comparison, because I think um, we haven't really had like, an uh, you know, an updated version of that, you know, like, in I, I mean, I think Big Little Lies probably is, is the closest. But, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I love that notion of just like, you sort of are you know when you when you when you move into a new neighborhood or wherever whether it's an apartment building or wherever you live, like you don't choose your neighbors, obviously, right? Like you don't you, you're sort of but and yet you're living in such proximity to these people. And it's such a strange thing like you and I think especially kind of we all felt this probably during the pandemic when we were home so much. I think we all really felt that, like you sort of your world was only sort of as big as like you know the people you were living very close to, like the people you saw hanging out outside and kind of you know with their kids on the street and sort of trying to find something to do and And it is that idea of like you know in the evening, you know when the sun sets and everyone's lights are around in their home, and you you can't help but stare, you <laughs> know you can't help but sort of wonder and sort of see the comings and goings of a family inside. Um, so I think, yes, I think curious people, nosy people like you and I um, are always going to be sort of drawn to that, you know, drawn to that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Like Deb, I live in a, in a building and I just, um, you know, I think about I live on the 16th floor and have for many, many years. And it's like we have this community on the floor that like I kinda know what's going on in everybody's life. And I have a neighbor of mine who looks after my cats and we borrow sugar from each other and milk. And then I've got this crazy woman who yells and we just want to (laughs) know what's going what's going on. And there's like if I ever thought I wanted to move into like a new suite or a bigger suite, I'd be like, I need to stay on the sixteenth floor.
3: Because I like these people. Well the other thing the other wonderful thing, I lived in condos for a long time too, and the other wonderful thing is that you end up having like elevator time with people, you know, which is a whole nother level. Yes. You have to make the small talk on uh-huh. the elevator and and that's so interesting. And also just what you can hear as you walk by every door, you know? You can hear like the music people are playing, the shows they're watching, the company they have over. Um, like you, it, there, it, there's something so even more voyeuristic, you know, about living in a like in an apartment-style housing, which I, I which I just love. <laughs> I love yeah, that.
0: and what they're eating, unfortunately. Yes, <laughs> <sometimes. exactly. laughs>
3: but um, but I,
0: I wanted like I haven't as as Simone had mentioned, I have not read the push, and I definitely am going to. And I, I do know it's about a mother and a daughter. And now with this book, The Whispers, you are you are talking about Motherhood again with with four different people and. And what they're going through, and that's another theme. So, is there a is there a reason why you you sort of gravitate towards talking about mothers?
3: Mm, I think you know I've always been really fascinated by just the idea, like the concept of motherhood. You know, I remember being very young and thinking, like like looking at the mothers around me and thinking, like, wow, like why do women do this? You know, like like what like what is it that and what are people looking for in this, and how does it feel? And and I think. I, I remember yeah, I remember really feeling like that quite young. And then, of course, you sort of, you know, get older and, you know, you decide to have children for various reasons. You know, I had my first child when I was 32 um, and then you sort of experience it, you know, for yourself in whatever context that is. And I, and I, and I really noticed um, like very starkly just the difference between sort of the expectation of what motherhood will be and, and how it really is. And I think, you know, as women, we've come so far, you know, in so many ways in society, but it, but it does feel to me like there is still this very specific way that mothers should think and feel and act. Um, you know, and speak. And I don't, and and that seems really like to hold, like there seems to be a real hold on that. And I'm just, I'm so fascinated by that. Um, and yet the experience of motherhood can be so different and, you know, like, you know, if you talk to one mother's experience is never the same as another's. And there's so much, I think challenge and complexity and sort of darkness wrapped up in motherhood that we really resist talking about. And I just think fiction is such an exciting, like interesting way to explore that. Um, and so while it's, you know, never my motherhood story on the page, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of truth there for everybody, you know, like underneath these stories, that's what I hope that this gives readers, especially mothers and women. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that's my curiosity is just, it, it really feels like this place that um, this real complex place that is really difficult to talk about um, in real life. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and you totally get that. I, I mean, I got that with with Whitney and Blair. I mean, I just mm. you know, <laughs> two polar yeah. opposites, but in a way, they both kind of wanted each other's life, and um,
3: exactly, I, I,
0: I found that really interesting. So, so talking about the push, I mean, I think you did that book three years ago, and mm-hmm. is it going to be developed into uh into a television series or a film? Like, has there
3: has there yeah. been anything? I hope, I hope so. If you cross fingers and hope it all happens. Yeah, it is being, um, it was optioned by um, a producer, David Heyman, um, and they are going to, they're, they're working on um, a limited television series. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully okay. that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of want to see The
0: Whispers. I want to see The Whispers mm-hmm. as a show.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. who
0: do you, like, who do you think Ashley, like, would, would play all the characters?
3: Oh, I know. You I can't know. just... I've had, so many wonderful readers like posting on social media their sort of casting pics which has been really really fun to see um, I was sort of thinking, I, I I was talking with, chatting with one reader and we were saying um, like Rachel McAdams would be really cool mm-hmm. to see as Blair, mm-hmm. and yeah. you, cast her, you know, and yeah. then maybe cast her husband as um, Ryan Gosling and do like a, <laughs> yeah. a notebook. Um, Why not? would be kind of fun.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I love the title, The Whispers, and mm. um, it's, it's very much like a, a woman's intuition, isn't it? And, and
3: Mm -hmm. I have to ask,
2: like, is this a chance um, for all of us to maybe pause for a moment and, and take a really good look around us and not be afraid to listen to that little voice inside our heads?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I think I think so. Like, I really think of the whispers as this sort of like cousin to intuition. You know, like, I think we talk a lot about women's intuition and what that feels like and where that shows up Um, and it's like a very real thing you know I think many of us have had that experience and to me the whispers are sort of adjacent to that it's like this I think the whispers are a little more urgent and they're sort of like knocking at the door of your life you know trying to tell you something Um, and I think they can be harder to want to hear you know and I think that's what each of these women is sort of struggling with in the book is that you know they they have this whisper in their life that like there needs to be a change something isn't right like this isn't working for me um but it's really really hard to acknowledge that when you feel like the consequence of listening to that is going to disrupt your life you know and I think I think often you know these women as I mentioned are sort of late 30s early 40s and I I do think that's sort of the time in life when this idea of the whispers can be their loudest, you know, or feel their strongest Um, because we spend our 20s, you know, in this very wonderful, selfish place. And we're making all these, you know, choices, you know, that that suit what we need, like our own needs at that time. And then in the thirty, our 30s, we're making a lot of decisions about life. That's like setting up the rest of our life. You know, we are we might be choosing a life partner. We might be buying a first home. We might be starting a family. Like it's a lot of doing, you know, and making these big decisions. But then I think when you get to the end of that decade in your 40s, I think for the first time in a long time, you're sort of just living with the choices that you've made, you know, and you sort of have the life you have. Um, and I think that could be a really hard time for people because it's, you know, we talk about this idea of the midlife crisis, you know, which is not a new idea. But I think now, I think especially with this generation of women, um, I think it's a really challenging time when you start to get really sort of introspective and have to really confront like the choices you've made and if you are indeed happy with them or not, or if your life looks the way you wanted it to. Um, And if... You know, I think a lot of women at this stage kind of think like, whoa, like, who am I really? Mm-hmm. Like, who have I become, you know, who mm-hmm. have I become versus the woman I thought I would become, you know, when I was in my 20s or early 30s. And it, it, there's often a huge difference there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of soul searching at this time in life. And I think that's when the whispers are the loudest. And I think the hardest thing is to do something about it. And
2: some women do and
3: some women don't.
2: The whispers are louder with the hot flashes.
1: Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they were loud before. What's going on now? <laughs> Ashley, you've done it again. It's a great novel. I love how you, you know, you talk about the, the truths in it and it makes you kind of realize that. Like, don't wish for someone else's life. Find ways to better enrich or enhance yours if you can. Not always are you going to have a happy ending, but you can find happiness in your situation or, or push to change it. Um, and you've gifted us two incredible novels, so we have to ask, what's next? From Ashley oh. Audrain for us. <laughs>
3: Well, thanks for those kind words. I really, really appreciate that and appreciate your support. Thank you. Uh, What's next? Well, I am, I'm working on something, but I can't, I can't talk at all about it now, but it's still early days, but I am, I'm, I'm working away.
1: Okay. on Yeah. Nice. Yes. Great. <laughs> well, thank you again for um, chatting with us. And again, we all are big fans. We love the book and we hope to chat with you again soon. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys.
3: Thanks so much. This was really nice. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you too. so much, Ashley. Take, take care. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.